Um, my name is Heather Janney and I'm with the University of Florida IFAS Extension uh, down in Columbia County. I'm a County Extension Director and 4-H agent. So who would like to go next? Nikki? Sure. I am Nikki Crossan. I am with University of Florida IFAS Extension and I'm the 4-H agent uh, now in Walton County. I guess I'll go. Um, good afternoon. I'm April Edwards. I work for the um, University of Georgia Extension. I am the Jackson County um, 4-H agent. And I'm Wanda McLaughlin, also um, with the University of Georgia, and I'm 4-H agent and county extension coordinator in Barrow County. Hi there, I'm Lori Swanson. I'm from the University of Nebraska Lincoln, and I am a 4-H assistant in Phelps County. I'm Lena Mallory. I'm the Marshall County Extension Agent for 4-H Youth Development, which is located in far west Kentucky, and I'm with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Hey, I'm Becca St. Clark, and I work for West Virginia University as the Monongahela County 4-H and Youth Development Extension Agent. And so you've heard the team, and Nikki and I are going to be the moderators for today's session, and we are doing Feel Good Friday because it's Friday, and we got to make it feel good. And today's topic is dealing with disappointment. Yes, and it is an exciting day because we have a lot to talk about. Um, I am sure with everything going on with the pandemic, um, some of us or all of us have uh, experienced some form of uh, disappointment um, going on in our lives. So um, let's just uh, start off with disappointment. So um, Heather, I looked up that one in three would avoid change in their lives if they could. One in three would avoid change at all costs. <laughs> so Sorry. how many of us would know. avoid change at all costs? I know, I think I would. <laughs> There's what, six of us? So how many of y'all would avoid change at all costs? Nikki, anybody else? Oh, Lori. See, see, we got the one in three. There's two in six. <laughs> <laughs> so I like some change, but um, I visit the same restaurant, sit in the same seat and pretty much order the same <laughs> so but whenever it comes to my career I will say that dealing with the change changing counties is something that I and I influence others I guess you could say but I very much suggest if you have never changed counties once in your career you should at least do it one time yes and I did just I just recently just did that I left um, one county and just recently moved to Walton County so for those of you that didn't know I just recently changed counties and I can um, attest to Heather um, that or uh, with Heather that um, I did the same and um, so sometimes it is good to mix things up in your um, extension career so has anybody else done that um, recently or in their extension career and they have a great experience from that yeah, yeah. what'd you do to deal with that change well, I actually did a little bit different kind of um, from the standpoint of I've spent my first three years with the extension in the county that I now live in and I actually left extension for a couple of years, um, did a couple of different jobs. And to be quite honest, that change was what I needed to see the, I guess you could say the unspoken benefits of the career that we have. And so as regards to our schedule and the impact is while a more set nine to five sounded great in theory, it, in reality wasn't so great and so i it gave me a better appreciation and so I, I do have to say that even though i've been in the same county since november of 02 having that career change for a couple of years was what i needed great thank you thank you lena and melinda shared that she started in one county um, for 11 years 
and she left extension for 14 years and then came back to a different county. So thank you for sharing that. Um, first, it was a, a, a small county, and then now it's very urban. Ooh, so that's really a big change. Um, so um, thank you for sharing that. So with change, we know that there comes um, uh, sometimes uh, some, some major disappointment. Sometimes there's challenges. Sometimes there's great successes, right? And um, so, of course, with the pandemic, um, and that's probably part of our big discussion today, um, we are dealing with um, some major challenges and a lot of disappointment at times. And so we want to definitely find out how everybody is dealing with it. Um, what are their successes and um, what are some challenges you're still facing? What are the things is flexibility? Who wants to tell us about their flexibility? I'll definitely chime in on the flexibility because I am a very literal person and I'm a list person and I go by the list and, you know, when something bad would happen in my life, I would say it really didn't happen because it wasn't on my list. And so it taught me, it taught me that I have to be flexible. I mean, there is no, you know, you can have this perfect list, you can have it typed out, you can have your little squares next to it. Um, but something's going to come up that's going to come into your life. This is going to blow that list out of the water and you're just going to have to change your whole plan. And that's definitely what COVID did. Um, COVID did make a lot of changes in our programming. It went to, you know, the whole virtual thing and, and we lost a lot of people and our youth just became disengaged because of the fact that we weren't seeing them every day. And having to be flexible and finding different ways to deliver those programs, keep those students engaged, and keep them excited about 4-H and what they could do in 4-H, even if we couldn't see them personally. Thankfully, we are back to in-person here in Jackson County. Um, so we have been able to come back around. But the really cool thing about flexibility is you learn some of those things that were we had to be flexible about and, and start trying new things, we've learned that we like them, that these are things that we can actually continue using. I mean, Zoom, I mean, yeah, it's not, it wasn't when we first started doing it, we were like, this is terrible. Wow. But now look at us. I mean, now we're able to see each other on a regular basis and we're able to have that connection, see faces and see smiles and see shaking our heads and, and being able to stay in that connection that not an email will do. So we learn through those having to be flexible, new ways to deliver different things. So I think that that's one thing that Definitely COVID taught me is that flexibility can actually be a positive thing and it can be, um, change can be good. I mean, that's one thing I love about my job is that you really don't know what to expect every day because um, every single student's different. That door bell rings. We don't know what's gonna be walking into that door and just every day is keeps us on our toes. And, and I think you had something great to that. Yeah. No, okay. So just to share on what you were saying on the flexibility and changing over to Zoom, I have to brag on my livestock natural resources agent. She worked with me yesterday. We had two Zoom sessions and they were only 30 to 40 minutes max. And we had kids K through, two, through second grade. We had in both sessions, there was supposed to be around 979 kids for a total of potentially 47 classes. And we had our big mascot and it was Meet Bellamy Beaver. And that's our big thing in our county that we were just so excited. And the kids, it was, it was so much fun. So if I hadn't have gotten thrown into that, we would have never done that. We would have always tried to take them in person. And it was a way for us to 
hit all those classes and all those kids at one time. I know we were talking about things we had done in the past where you you might do a 8 a.m. till 12 thing and you're done for the day because mentally you were over exhausted. And this, we were able to do that many kids that would have taken us four or five days in two sessions. Yeah, we were done at the end, even if it was only 30 to 40 minute Zooms, but. <laughs> and that brings up a, a really, I think April, you brought up a really valid point. Um, going back to what I said about, you know, I, I really don't like change. Um, that was a weak area for me for so long, you know, not being, I'm flexible when it comes to my job, but everything else, I'm not really quite as flexible. And I knew that was a weak area for me. So it's something I've really had to work on the last couple of years. So, you know, when you know it's your weak area and you've had to work, you've, you've been forced to work on it, um, you know, really and truly that is something positive that's come out of something, you know, that's been quite difficult or challenging times for us. So, you know, you, you pull a positive out of something that's been so challenging for us. Um, so I think that's, you know, some way of dealing with disappointment. Um, and I know, Heather, that has been a successful program for you is um, going virtual with Zoom. Has anybody else um, had um, a different way of doing a program, becoming flexible in a different manner, a different delivery mode that has become successful instead of going in person that has worked for them they'd like to share? Um, for, for us, you know, we, we spend a lot of time in the classrooms, and so we still aren't allowed to get into our classrooms, and so that has been very disappointing for us because we, that's our main contact, that's our main way of teaching, and so, um, you know, we had to figure out a new strategy because we still wanted to support our teachers, um, we receive a lot of funding from the Board of Education, that's an important partnership for us, um, so we did kits, and I know a lot of people kind of tried kits and did kits and um, we did individual kits that people could pick up. We took kits to kids' houses and then we did classroom kits for teachers and they could sign up and get all the materials they need to do a 4-H STEM activity with their classroom. And I mean, I know you all, I mean, this is like preaching to the choir because all of you are, um, are used to doing that too. And that's kind of the same thing that a lot of people did, but now I, now I feel really comfortable and confident in trying something new, you know, because it is sort of scary. I mean, you're used to doing things the way that you always have. And I kind of had to figure out a different way to get in the classrooms and still support those teachers. And, um, and it's great. And so we might, we may, I mean, we're still going to continue to offer those now because until we can get in the classrooms, but we can reach a lot more kids that way too. So I think that might be something that we build on, you know, for future and continue to do. Absolutely. I agree completely. And, you know, those kits, I've heard lots of great things. We weren't able to do it in my county, but I know it was a really a great thing. Now, you, you talked about, and we've all talked about all the positive, but what do we do when those big programs that we have hit that flop? I mean, or, I could have, yeah, I could have advertised for that, those two different Zooms and had one class sign up. So what do you guys do? And one of the struggles I have, Heather, is I'm going back to my club meetings. Um, and I'm sure some of you probably are maybe going back to your in-person in club meetings. And they're still really, really small, um, which is not something I'm not really used to, um, or, you know, my volunteers are not really used to. And it's kind of disappointing when you walk in and you see what used to be a big club meeting is now really, really small. So how are we dealing with this disappointment? Because it really hurts my heart to see that they're smaller than they normally are. I think that's so, when we've got to focus on celebrating the ones that are there and putting our energy into, we have to kind of go back to the almost in a lot of ways when we were the new agent, 
And you may have walked into a county that had a long history of a great program. And you may have walked into a county where the principals were like, um, no, if you're going to do anything like that previous person did, I don't want you in my school. I don't want you. So I think that's, you know, I went through that with our um, shooting sports program this summer. We, you know, two years ago had 45 kids to compete at state shoot. This year we had six. I, we went from a club of 75 to 80 participants to a club of 11. But I celebrated those that were willing to take on the challenges because, you know, I went from 18, 20 coaches. And I know one of my colleagues from Kentucky is on here too. We've had a lot of changes in how we do our volunteer stuff and everything. And so it's not just been COVID, it's been, you know, other changes and, um, it's just one of those, I really tried to focus on those that came forward and celebrate them. And I think because the more we build those youth up and we build those volunteers up, we're going to, it's going to have that trickle effect and people are going to start picking back up. And I know for a lot of folks now, I mean, me included, it's just, it's one of those we're in a lot of states and a lot of counties, we're kind of in a flux because every county's school system is doing something different. Every expectation is different. And so like we planned on starting out in person after school. Well, that got changed. So we went back to um, virtual for the first two months and we were, had originally were going to adopt being in person one month, virtual the next month, because our kids liked getting to meet others from other parts of the county that they would not have met otherwise if we were just in a strict that schools after school um, 4-H club. So I think we just have to, you know, it's kind of one of those recognizing the positives. It's also the time that those sacred cows can quietly disappear. Um, <laughs> that, you know, the, that program that it's just kind of like you've had that one, that, that one or two family while they love, you know, and everything. But as far as what benefits the, you know, and Wanda, you said greatly, quality over quantity. Um, you know, what benefited that couple of families is great and all, but is it meeting the needs of the county as a whole? And so that's, you know, where I think we just have to rethink how we do things. And, um, you know, we've done that. We hope to be in person, at least at our extension office for our school club meetings <laughs> um, this by November and, you know, and everything. And it just, you know, it's one of those things I've had to accept that, and it's been just kind of, how do we go from here? How do we celebrate what we have? And how do we keep that momentum going? And, you know, I just kind of focus on the fact that we have more that have signed up for virtual this compared to this time last year. And that's yeah. how they know that's how we're starting out. And we hope to be in person from November forward. And they'll be together as a group versus individual schools. So that's great. We just have to, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they would say. <laughs> I was looking for my cow. I had one of those cows, that sacred cow, on my desk from JSEP one year. <laughs> Do we have any new agents on the call or fairly new agents on the call that, um, that have any um, questions or have tried anything new or that? maybe are dealing um, with some challenges as far as their community clubs or programming that um, are trying anything different? I know Ashley had put in the chat, 
Um, great change of viewpoint, talking about Lena's way of doing things or way of looking at things and being thankful for the ones that you have. Um, mm -hmm. And she said that we have fewer enrollment and fewer kids in our traditional 4-H clubs. So yeah, I agree. Lena did have a good point of, of being appreciative of the ones that do, you know. Right. Glad. I always worry about the new um, agents um, because us, those of us that are veteran agents, we know we can reach out and call our fellow agents, especially those that we're, you know, a little bit more close to or that we've worked with a little bit longer. And, you know, we can lean on them and say, you know what, I had a function last night and, you know, I didn't have as many as I anticipated or I was hoping for. And, you know, I kind of feel bad or, you know, what can I do different or you got any ideas or, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed or, you know, and get uplifted by our fellow agents or the ones that we lean on a little bit more. But I always worry about those newer agents, you know, that maybe don't have quite those tight relationships yet. Um, so um, I see Aaron is new. Oh, oh, Aaron, you started at the end of June. <laughs> I, oh, goodness, you started right in the middle of it. Uh, or Wow. Um, okay. And you are lucky to work with Melinda. So that is wonderful. Yes. So you are very fortunate to work with Melinda. And we are so glad to have you on the call. Um, so please continue to join us for these calls because um, we want to be able to support you as much as possible. So if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to add or ask us, please reach out to any of us here. And Re Reagan, Reagan's a new agent um, in the chat. Um, I was going to see if April would be willing to tell her story about their County Line Club. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm fairly new. I started now I've been in Constitution since 2017. But as far as being an agent, I started December, uh, January 2020. And guess what happened? Um, and so starting, you know, the agent side of things was definitely different. Um, so we had some low numbers in our summer program that we wanted to not necessarily increase numbers for numbers sake but increase numbers for impact sake so that more kids could be involved in some of the things that we were doing. And so Miss Wanda, um, she didn't mention, but she actually did change counties because she was here before um, she went to um, Barrow. But um, I, we reached out to her and we said, you want to join us? And so she brought a group of her 4-Hers to our camps and we combined um, efforts. And so she was able to um, do some poultry things with our kids. It was an ag week and we took her kids to farms and we toured our farms in our county. And um, again, you don't want to go back to it's all about numbers because it certainly isn't. But if you're going to do the work, it always feels better when you're able to kind of see that impact. And so um, being able to reach out to those counties that are surrounding our area definitely helped that. And it helped us feel, I mean, you hate to say feel better about yourselves, but it really did. It was like, we're doing this work and we do see that we're not just doing it for four. You know, we're doing it for 24. And, and that's that's definitely willing to, to do that effort. So that has definitely helped. And we also play very well um, with our FFA programs. Um, I know that that is not necessarily true in every state. And I will absolutely say it's not necessarily true in every one of our counties in Georgia. Um, but in Jackson County, we do. We play very well with them. And to the point where I'm so excited, um, some of our ag teachers are actually going to coach our livestock judging team. 
So that's just so cool that we can combine their expertise and bring them into our world. And, you know, our kids have the ability to master now and something that, you know, I play with it. I know enough to get in trouble, but certainly not enough to have masters from it. And so um, them being able, willing to step up and say, um, let's do it. Let's do it together. And let's, because I always go back to that line. It's about the kids. Bottom line, whatever we do is about those students. It's not about us. It's not about our dossiers. It's not about all those lovely things that we like to keep in our minds, back to my checklist, it ends up being about the kids. And if that's what you keep in your head, it doesn't matter who you're playing with, as long as we're all playing for the same goal. Well, and that's something that I would say this team has been super fantastic at, or even teams I work with in the state, um, is it's about, you're not on an island by yourself. You've got to find those people to add to that island. and whenever you have a highly functioning team, um, you could be sick and totally drop off of the earth and not do anything <laughs> and feel miserable about it. I know Nikki tells me sometimes whenever she was sick, she was like, I feel so horrible, but we were still able to achieve everything. And I was able to say, look, don't worry about it. Cause whenever something happens to me or whenever I'm not available, I know you'll take care of it. And that's, that's about having that, that strong team that you add people to your island have them that help you swim, help you stay afloat. It's not just you doing it by yourself at all. That's right. And it's a great example um, that the youth pick up on really easily. Um, so our 4-H members and our volunteers see that, um, that you know we're working together across um, county lines or across the state, um, across the nation. And um, we're, that makes a good example for others. So that's wonderful. I think our team submitted what, about five or six awards to just yeah. different states around the nation, this particular team did. And it boiled down to, of we'll submit it for you and these couple will work on it and your name's still on it. So we're taking care of each other. Not everybody has the time. So we're able to accomplish a lot more. Um, it's like putting on these particular Zooms. Not everybody has time to do it. And it's just that, hey, we need a leader and we can, we can get it done and present, no problem. And I think one of the important things is um, taking the time to just talk about it, um, talk about your ideas. I think we're always um, reacting and trying to fill, you know, or we do fill our calendars. Um, and uh, some, before this call, we were talking about 2023. Some of us already have events on our calendar for 2023, Lena. <laughs> and uh, I think I have a couple of events uh, for 2023 already. Um, and I think we just need to take the time to pause and talk to um, each other or, or just, you know, take the time to um, pause and plan. Because um, sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves that we're um, forgetting about maybe just thinking and brainstorming and um, because we're always, you know, we're always going. And um, sometimes we just need to, we just need to pause and, and deal with what we're we're handed and the challenges and then move forward. And I think we're just spiraling sometimes. And we, it's kind of like what happened when the world went on pause and when we were working, all working from home. And then we went back to the office and we're spiraling again. And I think we talked about that in a previous um, Feel Good Friday. We were worried about what was going to happen when we got back to the office. We just need to remember that. And I, sorry, I mean, you Nice little background you all now have. <laughs> I don't know. I got, I got, um, tra 
Yeah, that's weird. I don't know how that happened. What happened? Me Who did either. that? So Lori, you were going to add something a while ago, I think. Well, you guys distracted me. It looks like you invited each other on into your islands. That's great. How did that I've happen? Had, you you know, I just, yeah, just I just appreciate it. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. But, you two are so cute. Other way. They're almost, almost, almost got oh, it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Lord. You goofballs. So, you know, I just appreciate the people in the counties around me because, um, you know, we are short staffed in my county. And so if I didn't have the people around me to reach out to and say, oh, um, have you done this before? Where do you find this resource? Um, you know, things wouldn't happen. And so sometimes we just have to ask what others have done. We don't have to do the planning ourselves. And you know, it's hard to ask sometimes for help, but oh my gosh, just like laughing at you too. I mean, sometimes when you ask for that help, then you can really just have a fun time. And to go off what Lori was saying, I mean, I don't know if other associations have this, but our association has like a secret Facebook page. And so it's just the 4-H Agents Association. And um, and that is a very, um, you know, if you, if you have any question at all, you can post it in there. People aren't going to be you don't feel like you're bothering other people who may be busy or, you know, and it just, it works out so well. I mean, it really is a great way to share ideas and get ideas and um, work from there. Hey, I don't know if you all saw, but Ashley had a comment up above um, that said that uh, she's having a struggle that she has had recently is getting our 4-H council to understand that 4-H isn't just the county fair, but is after school and school enrichment programs that dog, um, when trying to get some funding from them to, to help to do those programs. So I wanted to just um, talk about that for somebody else to talk about that because my dog is an idiot. I'm trying to remember the dog's name, but yes, it that is, that's a problem in a lot of counties. I know, for example, my 4-Hers, they all, they think you have to be a member of 4-H or FFA to show at the fair. And in actuality, our show at the fair is no connection with 4-H or FFA. It's an open show technically. And so it's, it's where you have to step outside of shows. You can't necessarily depend on those members or those kids because their mind is tied to that it is agriculture and it is about showing animals. That's why you get in 4-H. So I've gone to where that's not my specialty for one. But for two, I reach out to the other groups that are within the county, the other kids that are there, um, find those other areas that you have kids that are interested in within your county. I would I suggest um, if you're talking Sorry. about the 4-H council, are you talking about your 4-H council members? Um, Ashley, where are you? Are, are you talking about your 4-H council association members, your board members? Yeah, like our adult members. Okay, so I would actually suggest if your school, for example, if you're after school and your school programming, um, if your school board will allow it, maybe when you're having a school program, invite your um, association members, maybe one at a time, or maybe you're just the president of your association, invite one of them to actually come to the school programming as a guest with you on the day that you're attending and have them um, uh, just uh, uh, view the program with you and show them just how much that what an impact you're making in the schools and the after school program. That's something that maybe I I would recommend. I think something that sorry has no go ahead go ahead Lena that 
has worked for me is over the years of making sure I recruit the parents or you know the youth trying to get even we have team representation on our county 4-h council they're part of the decision making and so recruiting from those particular you know after school and school enrichment programs and the ones that benefit maybe get a school representative on and I mean you're going to have to kind of prepare them that you know hey it's going to take a little you might have to speak up a little bit more and just to kind of go on and start getting that mindset change and making sure you have that representation on your 4-H council so your entire program is represented equally and that goes a long way to get some mindsets to change sometimes. I think too if you like I I mean I've been doing this for 13 years I've been in the same county for 13 years but when I started I was lost I didn't know where to start we didn't have a good relationship with the schools um, so I've really built that up and I and I think you have to start small like I think you have to just know that it's not going to happen overnight um, I remember vividly doing Health Rocks because it was very cheap. It was a very cheap program to run. Um, and in after school, and the only time they'd let me in when I first started was like Friday at 4.30. So do I want to go to after school on Friday at 4.30 to do Health Rocks? No, I do not. But I did. And I think that you that's how you just got to get your foot in the door some way um, and do the best you can. And then it all just kind of happens. But it doesn't happen really quickly. So um, I think if you if you just go in knowing that you're willing to do, you know, if you have a teacher friend who will let you get into their classroom and do some kind of quick germ activity, I mean, people love that. Um, that's a good way to start. And then they'll start telling their other friends, their other teacher friends about your program and they'll let you in. I don't know if you have that problem with getting in, but I know that can be challenging and disheartening whenever it doesn't work. So, um, so just do the best you can and start small and it'll come. It just takes time. If you can demonstrate that in school matches with standards, that's where we have been able to really be um, accepted is that every lesson plan that we do, we attach a standard to it, whether it's a fourth grade standard or fifth grade standard, whatever class we're going into. And those teachers recognize those standards because they're writing their lesson plans and those kind of things. And they appreciate that we're not just, I mean, we're fun and we, we do all of that, but we're also, helping them reinforce what they're teaching and they appreciate that because their students are seeing things a different way but it's the same information and some of them are getting it better just because we're there helping reinforce i really liked nicole's suggestion about inviting your council members that are all that you already have and those are obviously the ones you're trying to um, broaden their perspective uh, about what 4-H is beyond the county fair. And I totally understand where you're coming from on that in regards to, you know, maybe have the youth that are in those programs. Um, maybe there is the teacher that you're already doing school pro enrichment programs with that is willing to come to the 4-H council meeting if you're not able to take a council member there and provide the feedback. Um, especially if it's, you know, you have some youth that are willing to, and even the parents of those youth willing to report to the 4-H council so that they can see that this, how far reaching that the program is happening. And um, because then that way they might realize, oh, well, we do need to provide funding towards that and uh, making sure that our council funds that, you know, if your entire 4-H program is part of fundraising, that they also realize that it's not just one program area 
within 4-H that's going to have the all say on that, that it's a, you know, cooperative event. And so that's how I would approach it is just kind of trying to help the current 4-H council members see a little bit more. And that is not necessarily um, you having to tell them, that's you showing, having those youth to report, those parents, that teacher. And um, so that that way they also see that others outside of the community. And I, I think too, just remember that a picture is worth a thousand words. You know, if you can get a, a picture of school enrichment into the paper or out on Facebook, um, because I, I struggle with the same thing, Ashley, but, you know, little by little, I think, you know, we're getting there. Okay. And I think this is a great segue into reporting. Well, and I was going to actually, <laughs> Are you reading yeah. my mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's good. But what I was going to ask is what do you do whenever none of that works? So how do you deal with that disappointment? And we'll, we'll talk about reporting definitely, but mm -hmm. what do you guys do whenever none of that works? Because what if, what if we give Ashley all this advice and nothing? That's, that's, when, you you first started. Own, that's go when you got to blaze your own way. And what I mean by that, that's where you go and you just say, okay, I'm going to look for grants. I'm going to look for um, other ways to fund. It may be within your own cooperative extension service. Um, setting. There may be some various grants even through that the college offers, that the university offers. And that way you have to, you know, sometimes kind of say, okay, well, we've received X grant. And while depending on the fiscal matter for your um, particular setting, because I know it varies, that you might just have to say, well, we've gotten a thousand dollar grant and it's for this program. It's not for county fair. And that's almost where you have to kind of become, just blaze, blaze your own way. And if you're passionate about the program, you have youth that are passionate about what you're doing and you have other community resources that are passionate about what you're doing, then you just have to keep going forward for what is best in meeting the needs of your community. Agreed. Anybody else have anything that, like what they do whenever there is that? other than the great things that Lena had, because, oh my goodness. Well, and Nikki, to go back to what you were saying on the reporting, it you're right, because it's all in how you write some of that stuff up. And, yeah. and you have to show your time, impacts. Yes, and, and, and every, every state has to do a dossier or a packet or an annual report or whatever your state calls it. We all have to do those because it goes into workload reporting, which goes towards federal grants because the, all the universities have to do something as far as reporting to make sure that they get their federal funds. So you guys have to do it too, but it's all in how you write it up. Um, you have to pick the positives of that stuff. You can't just sit there and mull on your mistakes or what happened that you didn't want to happen. You have to go for the positive. Yeah, and I was actually gonna roll it back a step and before we actually got to the report of accomplishment or astonishment or whatever you guys call it at the end of the year, when you have to report everything at the end of the year, um, I was going to suggest that it's, it's how you report it and it's how you showcase it, um, whether it's one event or whether it's what you've done so far at, at a certain point in your programming. Um, but don't forget to, to, to toot your horn or whatever you wanna call it or spotlight your volunteers or spotlight a program. But remember to um, spotlight the impacts. So sometimes you have to stop 
And um, maybe it's a fact sheet on the impacts that one program has made um, so that you can show that to your advisory council. So you can say, hey, look, this program is making impacts. Look at how many kids we've reached. Um, look at look at the changes, the behavioral changes that have been made. Or, you know, here's a picture to go with what this program has done so far. Um, here are the impacts that are being made. This program deserves funding. Um, so maybe it's a fact sheet or, um, you know, a, 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 an info sheet, um, just something simple. You could create those. The template is in uh, Canva. If you're a Canva fanatic like I am and Heather is and a couple of us on the team are. Um, so you can throw that in there really quick and do those impacts and you can submit that to your council um, or whoever um, uh, that you're asking funding for. And, um, and then you can say, hey, look, this is solid. This program is here to stay. I need your help. I need your support for this programming. So um, that's when we're talking about reporting, it's not just about that end of year report. It's also about spotlighting that program and spotlighting what you and your volunteers and the kids and the teachers are doing. Um, that can also help you get some, some, some funding. Um, and that's a, a simple way or your um, news articles or radio, whatever it is that you're doing um, or a simple video. Um, a short clip with videos and, um, you know, some music or what, however you want to spotlight it. But um, sometimes just a simple way of reporting it um, can, can really help you get that funding. When we're doing our training about our impact statements is what we're called, but they remind us that it's up to us to tell our story. And it's just basically that's what we're doing. We're telling our story. We're telling the why, the who, the when, and all that. And the public needs to hear it not necessarily in impact data, which I love, I love impact data, but making it a story so that they can relate and they can have that um, connection with those youth, with, um, you know, the how you impacted that story behaviorally or how you, you know, they love that. I mean, they love numbers, but the public loves the, the heart and that's what they're listening for. And that's what they're wanting to say. Um, but why? Why? Great, but why? And and I think that that is definitely us, up to us to tell our story in a way that the public relates. Can well, I share Lena, go ahead. Go ahead, Deborah. Um, I'm a 4-H educator, and in Georgia, 4-H ed educators do not have to do impact statements, but I opted to do one this year for the simple fact I'm finishing up on my master's and uh, in public health administration and my project is about teen mental health during COVID and what kind of corrective strategies are out there for them to be able to get over the stress issue. And so um, I usually do less stress on the test. That's a friend's magazine through Georgia 4-H, but I kind of put a new twist on it. It's called Less Stress for Students. And I created a video back in January because my schools that I was in personally, face-to-face, uh, -face, they went um, virtual because of COVID uptick. And so my administrative assistant helped me, record me. I did a nine-minute, nine six-second video, talked about the importance of sleep, the importance of healthy eating and drinks. And I told the high school students, please stay away from Red Bulls. They're not good for you. Drink more water. I also talked about the fact that, you know, you need to study. I gave them some study tips and said, yeah, I know what I'm talking about because I'm working on my master's. And then I ended up with exercise, Georgia 4-H, um, people are able to take yoga for kids, which other states are able to do. And so my exercise was yoga for kids. And I did only standing yoga, because if you think of a classroom setting, there's no place to sit down or lay down on the floor to do that. 
And I've also shared with teachers about this so they know if a kid gets up and starts doing some standing poses, they don't get all crazy on them. And then I was able to go in person the next month. So I did it for 157 students and I wrote my impact on that because I've reached over 412 virtually on that video that I've got on my YouTube page and it's on our 4-H Facebook page. So, you know, I'm trying to use that also in my research for my paper. So I'm trying to kind of circle it all together and that's, that's what's been good. But I will tell you, it's been hard because... I worked almost two years without a 4-H agent, and so uh, reaching out to some other folks around in the uh, surrounding counties has been a blessing, uh, I'm telling you. It's, it has really helped. Well, and that's something where we, we had talked previously with this group, and we were mentioning some of the things that we do to stay connected with others, and we kind of went through and were trying to think of some ways to reach out and I know like Nikki and I are, are pretty close and whenever I know it's been a, a rough thing or a rough time I'll make some little trinket and stick it in the mail and send it and it just to put a smile on their face what's anybody else do for for your colleagues and Lena's putting all these things in the chat and I promise I'll read those off in a minute I'll share one thing. Uh, back it, last year, when our administrative started, uh, administrator started, she was brand new to uh, extension, and then we kind of shut down with COVID. And so I started sending her daily texts. So my daily text is now up to about thirty folks. It's not just extension personnel, but it's nurses and family and friends. And so I get to include that in my um, portfolio for my MPA. So because it's being trying to help them be healthy and think and be less stressed. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different things. Um, I know I've got another colleague that I work with that I'm able to just, hey, how are you mentally? You know, are you doing okay? And it's not always about programming. It's about having that friendship you know, just staying in touch with one another. Is there anything else that somebody could think of that you could add on? Becca, what do you do for your colleagues there in West Virginia? Sorry it's to call kinda, it, It's kind of like what you said. I mean, I, I, I think I said this when we talked a couple of weeks ago, but we had a statewide training and I just noticed a, a gal that I've worked with for years wasn't there. And so just noticing that she wasn't there and sending her a message and saying, hey, everything going okay? Is there anything I can help you with? Because um, there's a reason that she wasn't there, whatever it be, personal, professional. So just know, just knowing, knowing, I mean, we, we were on a call, statewide call today about IRS and I've been doing this for a long time and that's a stressful time to figure out about clubs. And so I'm gonna send out a message and tell new people, if you need help with this, I can try to help you. I know it's stressful. So just knowing what people, trying to think about what people are going through and just being available to help. Yeah, that pat on the back of you're doing a good job and I'm here for you. That that helps a lot, a lot. Courtney says sending cupcakes and funny memes. So people can always use a laugh. And that's that's definitely true. I know Lena's a part of a big group chat that we have, and there's random things that come through that aren't even 4-H related most of the time. And just those laughs, <laughs> it helps. All right. So Let's see, what's something else? What about whenever we're planning all this stuff? Um, how do you come up with a plan? You've, you've been through that disappointment. 
you're trying to replan, what's something that you do in your county that, that helps you move on and kind of get over that disappointment? Um, I've learned that, you know, we've always been in a world of where we've had to have plan A, plan B, and plan C. Now we just have to be prepared for plan X, Y, and Z. And, you know, that's, I've put in, kind of in the chat just some things about, you know, that we just need to celebrate all the things we have learned that we can do to meet when plan A, B, and C have fallen through because all of a sudden, <laughs> Nikki, you are right. So far, there's only 26 letters in our alphabet. We're probably adding some more. Um, especially a, B, B. We're, we're still trying to figure out, you know, we joke around in my house about what what's the next variant name. And my husband, who was in a fraternity, said if it ends with sir, he's done. And he had to explain that to me because um, apparently that was part of when they had they did their Greek alphabet, they had to end with sir. So, um, you know, so it's just, we have to just kind of be prepared and be ready, whether it's personally or professionally. Um, I know this group, a lot of y'all were aware that we had, we had plans for a specific family vacation um, and everything this Christmas. Well, now that has been rebooked for 2022. Um, and everything and stuff, we're still going to be um, doing something special during Christmas break. But I think it's just how do we respond and how we respond is going to reflect how our youth respond. And it's going to also reflect how our families respond. I mean, you know, I know I'm probably not the only one that's been through this. We're having to adjust with it just feels like all of a sudden the gates came wide open and they're semi shut, but they're still wide open. And everything that we all gave tips to ourselves about, you know, don't let your schedule get overwhelmed and don't do this and don't do that. Well, yeah, I'm failing at that. And so it's not only affects us, it affects our youth because we've got to remember we have an entire population of students and youth that and parents who have been doing virtual schooling and some of them they're back and then they'll be back for a little bit and then they are not. And, you know, there's just that uncertainty that we just have to kind of all work through and be ready for anything and everything and have your plan X, Y, Z. Um, and, you know, just keep in mind that we've got to, you know, be more flexible than we've ever been and focus on what we know we now can do and that we did not do before. I mean, I did not do videos before. It sounds like Deborah was, had not done videos before. I mean, I think we're all in that Zoom. I had only been in some meetings the last couple of years prior to COVID and now it's, you know, this is my third hour of the day. So, I mean, it's just, was something we got to just celebrate and keep in mind and, you know, but it's also one of those we've got to be sure while we're trying to meet the needs of everybody else, we got to take care of ourselves and we got to take care of our families and we got to remember that they're first. And I'm going to be honest when, and I, and I know I'm rambling, but the reason I say that is because watching my daughter have the biggest struggles that she probably has had prior to and during the pandemic 
everything now that she's back in school we're back to having night meetings i'm back to being you know gone for an entire weekend and travel and you know all that hit at the same time she started kindergarten back in august we had state fair we had this we had that all that hitting at once is not only just caused her you know stri just strife personal strife because having to deal with change and disappointment because mommy's not home tonight or daddy's not home tonight because they're doing night meetings and stuff. And then, be, you know, after having us pretty much to herself for about a year and a half when it's all said and done. And so I felt, I mean, when she, in all honesty, was in the floor, upset, crying, throwing a fit, I almost felt like joining her because I knew exactly how she was feeling. Because I've had that same feeling, like, here's everything that we've been trying to do different. And we've, you know, got to remember as we move forward, not to lose ourselves and lose our family. And that is my little TED talk for the day. <laughs> and one little piece to add on to that is we can't really compare what we did last year or the year before to what we're doing now, because it's definitely going to, it, it, it dipped. <laughs> you can't compare. It's a completely different world right now, more or less. So we're yeah. getting close to the end of time. And I think one way all of us could tie things up, because today's topic is dealing with disappointment. So what is the one thing that you do that helps you deal with a big day of disappointment? What do you do when you get home or after that disappointment? What's the one thing that you do for yourself? And we'll go around you know, anybody that wants to share, please share, but definitely our, our speaking group, share one thing that you do at the end of a disappointment. I go home and take a long walk. I, I live out in the country, so it's, it's very peaceful and nice to be able to do that. Absolutely. I'll go home and shut off my cell phone and tell, tell my kids, if you need us, call daddy. That's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. I binge watch some crime shows so that I can see that, you know, the world is a lot worse than I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that my reality is nothing. <laughs> Maybe that's how I need to start viewing those shows my husband makes me watch. Oh, you know, I just love I just love getting home and just changing right into my pajamas and and just just being in my pajamas, being comfortable in my house and reading a good book and just forget the world for a little bit. I'll be honest, and I know we're live on Facebook, but it is what it is. I'll go home for a glass of wine, pet puppies, just chill out. I will have to say that Tori and I have probably once, you know, we get the little gal to bed and everything and we've got just that like hour of quiet before we both fall almost fall asleep on the couch. We probably have gotten more into watching HGTV <laughs> and the and Food Network, just to be quite honest. I'm not trying to do an advertisement for those, but the whole just trying to figure out what house is this these people going to buy and sometimes wondering how are these two together <laughs> so we just get into that I mean it's just like our own little soap opera sometimes <laughs> and you'll see in the chat Mitch said that he likes to go for a four mile walk and Ellen says talk with a loved one and sing Ellen you want to unmute and sing something for us 
it's hold on a second. Actually, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because um, I'm in a band at Rutgers here. And um, one of the things about we are actually getting back to in person. We did our first um, live performance in July at, at a county fair. And um, that was incredible because we haven't been able to sing since March, 2020. We're all, I'm a state um, specialist. So I coordinate the arts so I, for 4-H. So I just love singing and theater and writing. So um, the more I can, I love working with children with improvisational theater. And so, um, yeah, um, I did Zoom with them um, with a teen group. And now we're doing in person. It's twice a, a month through the library. What's interesting is that it's going to be in person, but those that accessed by Zoom that don't live near the library are going to still be able to participate. So what's good is that I did, I'm not going to lose the ones that came from, we had one girl from Pennsylvania, you know, and I'm in New Jersey. So uh, we, we want to keep that connection. So, you know, um, but I can't wait to see them in person. I'm going to see them for the first time in October. It's like, I, you know, I've missed the in-person a lot because theater, it's hard to do on Zoom. I mean, you Absolutely. can, but it's not, it's not organic. You know, you, you got to kind of have that interaction going, you know, so anyway, no, I won't see in person, but. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing Ellen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And thank you everybody that was willing to share. Does anybody before we finish up completely have any questions or things they need advice on? Let's open the floor of we've got six minutes. We helped out one earlier. Anybody else have some, some advice they need on something? We want to make sure your Friday is really a feel-good Friday. That's good. Don't we live that life? <laughs> I fail at that some days. <laughs> I fail it a lot. I think we all do. But just remember, we have each other. We don't have to hide that panic from each other. We can call each other and lean on each other when things get rough. So um Remember that Ashley and Aaron, we're here for you. Um, we know it's probably a little bit of a hard time being new. So we're here for you. We're, we're rooting you on. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you hopefully at National Conference. If you haven't registered for National Conference, you should totally do that. And we want to see you in Memphis or virtually at Memphis. And our group will be putting together the virtual wellness challenge. So you'll be getting a website link for that. Is there anything I missed, Gert? I don't okay. think so. All right. Well, thank y'all for joining us today. We have truly enjoyed all of you. And we'll see you next time or at conference. Yes. Sure. Thank you. Have a great Friday.